you can sing parts or you just sing melody, that's fine. Um, but we're going to practice the three Sunday mornings leading up to Easter, March 31st, April 7th, and April 14th, just for 30 minutes right after Sunday morning church. Right here, we're going to gather and go over it real quick. It's not going to be difficult. Um, but if you would like to do that, I think Mr. Doug has my phone number right here. There's my phone number. So if you could grab your phone right now, if you have any interest, and text me and say, say your name in case I don't have you saved, and say, I think I might want to be in the choir. So I can get a rough idea of how many. If we're only going to have like three, then obviously that wouldn't be very fun. But um, just be thinking about it. Um, if you don't have to be on the worship team or anything like that. But if you have a heart for worship at all, um, I'd love to have you in the choir. So let's stand together and let's, oh, let's stand together and we're going to start worship and Pastor Brian's going to share some Let me scripture. just uh, read out of Psalm 107. Go ahead and stand. Yes, go ahead. Come on up. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story, those he redeemed from the hand of the foe. And that's what we get to do today. Uh, when we come in to gather in for worship, we're, we're telling our story, declaring our praises to him for who he is and what he has done for us. And want to invite us into that frame of mind. So Shake a couple of hands that are around you, welcome them into the presence of the Lord, and let's sing together.
We focus our hearts and our minds and our attention on you now because you are worthy of all praise. You're worthy to receive all the glory and all of the honor and all of our praise this morning. You are the king of the universe. There is no other God but you. We worship you today, Father, with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. We want what you want. We surrender to you. Be the king of our hearts, the king of our lives.
felt like the night was holding on to you.
Jesus, we call on your name today. And this song is a declaration of, it's a declaration of praise for, for what's happening in our lives now because of you. And it's a declaration of praise in advance for, for where we're headed, the hope that we have before us. That the world as we know it now is not the end, the end result of things. But you are redeeming us now. And there will be a time where you will redeem all of heaven and earth. Where we will see you face to face. Our Savior. Our God our creator, our friend. We humble ourselves before you today. We honor you for who you are and what you have done. This is your place. We are your people called by your name. And we open up ourselves to whatever it is that you want to accomplish in us and through us today. In a few moments, we will dig into your word, which is food for us, food for our souls, a map for our life. Lead us in all things. Holy Spirit, move freely among us today as we continue to engage your presence. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus that we all pray and everybody said, amen. You may be seated. And as our ushers begin to prepare to receive this morning's tithes and offerings, I want to turn your attention to the papers that are on your seat or on a seat nearby you. There's for sure one for each family unit available here to us today. This is, this is a, a, a campaign that, that we're doing leading up to Easter, trying to make sure that that our stuff here is 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 completed. Um, we've got we got a, a few projects that we're really trying to finish up. The kitchen over here and in, in, in the back corner um, needs to be finished. Uh, hood vent is going to be installed, and fire suppression has to be installed. And that's a, that's going to be a good chunk of change, uh, probably fifteen thousand or so maybe even a little more to pull that off and then if you haven't been up in the children's wing up in our old building um, what we call the chapel um, I'd, I'd encourage you to go check that out um, but we, we have uh, installed a wall or we're in the midst of installing a wall a new way to check in our kids it's much safer um, and uh, but there's some things that we've got to do before we can finish that wall. 
including adding some more smoke alarms and fire detection equipment. And, and, and so all of these projects, including a ramp that we're helping to install in one of our family's homes um, uh, for a handicapped child, um, th these are, these are, are projects that, that, that we want to finish as soon as possible. And we're, we're inviting you to join us in, in raising some extra funds over and above our normal tithes and offerings to help finish these things. So when you look on this sheet, it's very simple. We're just asking for your name and a contact number. And the first line, amount committed, that would be a, a total. And then if you want to, underneath that, you can, you can show on here how you intend to accomplish that, whether it's a one-time gift or you want to do weekly or monthly. And that'll help us know how to track um, the, the flow of cash that will be coming in. Um, I've got mine, our, our family's prepared here, so ours is done. All I'm asking is that you, uh, hopefully you've had time, because we e-blasted this out a couple weeks ago, you've had time to pray about this. And um, if you're ready to make that pledge today, you could do so and put that in the offering plate. If you're not ready to do that, feel free to take it home with you, bring it back um, next Sunday, or you can uh, email the church uh, with your commitment information. It's an opportunity for all of us to participate, um, and it's not that we think that everybody needs to do an equal amount, but this is such a generous place, and um, equal sacrifice is really more of, of the phrase that we like to use. There are some here that could do a significant amount, and then there are others of us that it might look like a small amount, but the sacrifice is equally the same given life circumstances. It's just an opportunity for us to uh, join in with the special time of giving. So with the ushers here, let me just pray over our offering. And Jesus, we, we honor you in all things, thanking you for the provision that has already come to make incredible things happen. We just, again, celebrate what you have done, the opportunity we get to do in worshiping you in this space. What a miracle what a story that has been, and it's still unfolding. I pray over this campaign at every dollar, and, and we think we need about 30000 to accomplish all the things that we want to accomplish prior to Easter. But you've got every nickel and dime in, in your hands. You are our provider. Thank you for how you use us in your story. So take what we have to offer you today, not just our pledges, but our tithes and our offerings. Use it, bless it, multiply it, and accomplish your kingdom purposes through all of it. And it's in Christ's name we pray, amen. Oh, and kids, um, feel free to come on up and if you've got your offerings... Well, I missed you all last week.
I hope you missed me too, but I know that Jake did a terrific job stepping in. Believe me, if I had been here, my cough was so bad, I would have been a complete distraction. And plus, my youngest daughter, Olivia, had a fever anyways. We needed to keep her home. So thank you for your grace in that, and thank you, Jake, for stepping in at the last minute. And I know he did a great job, didn't he? Yeah. So one last Sunday uh, this morning in Genesis, as we continue to kind of look at our origins, we, we looked at the origin of creation. Uh, last week, Jake talked to us about the origin of, of sin and our, and our sin nature um, that, that we still wrestle with today. And today I want to look at the origin of, of our faith. And we see this in the story of Abraham, okay? Now, Genesis, as you, as you walk through the rest of Genesis, it, it reads like a narrative. So um, that's one of the forms of literature that you find in Scripture. So when we talk about narratives, you're talking about a storyline that, 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 you're, that you're walking through. And it's important to pay attention to that kind of uh, literary reality because what it means is you, you can't really just pluck a verse out and, and it necessarily be applicable. You've got to look at it more like in story form, okay? So when you're, when you're in the narratives, you need to give time to reading passages, chapters, uh, sections, um, so that you can understand what's happening in the story and the most of Genesis is is this kind of form, this this um, this this storyline that that starts with well, it, it, it you can kind of start with Abraham, but you can back up to Noah. Okay, Noah and the flood. Noah and his family were the only ones on the entire planet that survived. Only human beings that survived the flood. So we get a, a restart button with Noah and his family. And his three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, walk off of the ark. And um, it's through Shem that Abraham shows up on the scene. By the way, Shem, um, you've probably heard the phrase uh, Semitism or anti-Semitism, which is hatred of Jews. That word Semite uh, will come out of the word Shem. So when you're talking about the hatred of Jews, you can carry it all the way back to that second generation right outside of, uh, of Noah himself as, as, as humanity begins to spread out with the three sons. Anti-Semitism goes all the way back that far. Okay? But uh, we get to Abraham, and it's Abraham is the one that really begins to respond to the voice of God. God speaks to Abram before he changes his name to Abraham, and he and his wife and family move to this um, new land. <clears throat> he just, he, Abraham has this mentality of, if God tells me, I'm just going to do it. And ultimately, that's why he becomes what we know him as, as, as a, the father of faith. But in, in, I want us to look at Genesis chapter 22, because this is probably 
the key story in Abraham's life, but even, even in the patriarch's life. And when, I, when we refer to the patriarchs, we're referring to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, the, or Joseph and his brothers, the, the 12 sons of Jacob, which then comprise of or give birth to the 12 nations of Israel. These, this storyline tracks all the way through Genesis, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Jacob's sons, including Joseph. <clears throat> but it's this story in Genesis 22 that really kind of comes to the top in regards to importance. It starts out by saying, Sometime later, God tested Abraham, and he said to Abraham, Here I am, Abraham replied. Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. <clears throat> now, this is interesting because Abraham has another son, Ishmael. But Isaac is the only son of Abraham and his wife, Sarah. See, there's a lot of tension already in this story. Isaac didn't show up on the scene until Abraham and Sarah were almost 100 years old. And a promise had been given to Abraham and Sarah that, they're going to be, that he's going to be the father of, of many nations, that there's going to be this in, incredible uh, progeny that, that comes forth. But as they're aging and aging and aging, not, not a single child has been born, not a single son has been born to them. And this tension and the stress is, is mounting as, as, as their age increases. And so Sarah says, you know what? I'm going to solve this problem myself. And she gives Abraham... Uh, her, her slave girl, Hagar, he lays with her. She becomes pregnant with Ishmael. And about the time that Ishmael is 14 years old is when Isaac is finally born to Abraham and Sarah. This promise is finally fulfilled. But one day, Ishmael is teasing his little brother, and Sarah says, that's it. You guys are gone. And she sends Hagar and Ishmael packing, sends them out, sends them away. And they're no longer part of this family. So when God says, your son, your only son, he, he's speaking very poignantly, very clearly to this, this promise that he has given them that has finally been fulfilled, even though Sarah and Abraham tried to cheat or tried to cut the corners of this and it caused problems because let me tell you um, a significant aspect of the hatred of Jews will, can be pointed all the way back to Hagar and Ishmael. It's what, one of the interesting things about Abraham is he's not only the father of the Christian faith or the, the father of Judaism as they know it, which is an obvious thing, he's also considered the father of Islam. Muhammad will point back to Abraham as the father of their faith. Well, think about the hatred that Muslims have for Jews. And it goes, this is, this is the, the kind of history that we're talking about here. All the way back 
to this generation. But here we are. Uh, Ishmael has been sent away. Hagar and Ishmael are out of the picture. And it says, sometime later, God tested Abraham. Here I am, Abraham replied. Take Isaac, your only son, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Are you kidding me? After all of this time, with Abraham and Sarah well into uh, 100 plus years old, Isaac, some scholars think that he's, he might even be upwards of 30 years old by the time this story unfolds. And now God is asking Abraham to sacrifice his only son, the one through whom all of these promises are supposed to unfold. But here's the response. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the, for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. No debating, no arguing, no whining, no complaining, no, hey, okay, can I, can I fast on this for 40 days? Um, can you give me some time to think? Can, I need to have a committee meeting. Um, I mean, nothing like this. Early the next morning, he gets up and he simply responds with a yes in his heart. Whatever it is that you want me to do, God, this is already his, the way that he functions, okay? He's already responded this way. So this, this is just another level showing us that Abraham fundamentally has a faith in God that is, that is hard to comprehend. And he sets out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Now, we don't know what he saw. But clearly there's a communion going on between Abraham and God. That on the third day when he looks up, he, he sees something and he, you know, he, he understands that that's the place where, where we are heading. I want you to hang on to that because we're going to come back to that. I think there's something there. And he said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. What's interesting is that word worship, that's the first time that word shows up in Scripture. This, this concept, this idea. And what's really amazing is that Abraham's language is, we will go and we will return. Abraham doesn't know how this story is going to unfold, but he has a fundamental belief that Isaac is coming back with him. Knowing that what he's heard from the Lord is sacrifice your son on the altar. But somehow, some way, Isaac is returning and he's making a declaration to his servants You guys stay here. My son and I are going to go worship and we're going to return to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering. 
and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. Just imagine this, this walk. Abraham's got a torch in one hand, a knife in the other hand. Isaac is carrying the wood next to his father. Isaac speaks up. Um, Dad? Yes, my son. I, I've got the wood. You're carrying the fire. Where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Well, son, it's you. He doesn't say that. But you know, obviously, that's the first, th- the first thing that's, that's in his head. That, that's, that's what he knows is about to happen. <clears throat> his response is profound. God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. Abraham doesn't know how the story is going to unfold, but somehow, some way, the promises that God has given him are so real and so true that even though God has put him in this really awkward place where, where seemingly, in, 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 the, in human thinking, all of that is about to come to an abrupt end, Abraham has determined in his mind and in his heart, somehow, some way, God is going to do something amazing. So amazing that the end of the story is he and his son are going to return from this time of worship. Whatever happens in this story, the end of the story is they're returning together. Son, I don't know, but I, I can tell you with confidence, the Lord himself will provide. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built up an altar there, arranged the wood on it. Then he turns to Isaac and he binds him up. Now, If, if, we, if we put Isaac at around 30 years of age and Abraham 100 plus, okay? It's pretty easy to assume that Isaac is going to be able to just body slam Abraham. What do you think you're doing? Run away from him? I'm, I'm way faster than you, old man. I mean, and there's none of that. There's complete submission to whatever it is is happening, Isaac says, okay, whatever, whatever's going on here, Dad, I'm all in. This is really not just about Abraham's participation, but as much Isaac's participation in this worship time. Complete submission is what we see here. When they reach a place God had told them about, Abraham built the altar, arranged the wood, and then he binds his son Isaac up and lays him on the altar. You can almost imagine that Isaac probably crawls up onto that altar himself. I, let me, I got this, Dad. You don't have to try to lift me up and get me on there. Save your back, okay? Okay. 
Then he reached out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. An angel of the Lord calls out from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am. That's, that's Abraham's reply. We see that over and over. <clears throat> Don't lay a hand on the boy. Don't do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. When Abraham looked up there in a thicket, he saw a ram caught by its horns. And that, that phrase, looked up, that's the second time we've seen that phrase in this story. And I'm just telling you, when, 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 when you see these repetitive words, these repetitive phrases, pay attention to that because something is being communicated there. Remember, Abraham looked up and he saw the place that God had told them to go. Now he's looking up and he sees a ram caught in the thicket. And he went over and he took the ram and he sacrificed the ram as a burnt offering instead of Isaac, his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. He didn't call it, the Lord will test you. He didn't call it, the Lord will stress you out. He didn't call it, um, the Lord will take you to the edge and make you look over and scare you half to death. The Lord himself will provide. And to this day, that's what it's called. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies, and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. And then just as Abraham predicted, they returned to his servants and set off together. A phenomenal story of, of, of faith, of radical obedience, even when, especially when the whole picture is not understood. You know, the, the, the truth about us or the truth about us sometimes with our tendencies is that when God speaks to us, we need all of the information first. I mean, just soul search for a, mo for a minute or two, and you'll probably find that that is that's a, a, a response that you've had before. Well, I need more facts. I need the whole picture. Can, can you give me more? And then, and then I can make an, an informed decision. There, there was hardly any information that Abraham had at all. But, but a, a, fundam, a fundamental solidarity in his heart and his mind that God is who he says he is. And when he makes a promise, he fulfills them. And though this 
request of his seems to go completely contrary to all of that, I fully believe that those promises will still be fulfilled. In fact, it really seems to be that Abraham had a fundamental belief that Isaac was going to be raised from the dead. God told me to kill him, so obviously that is going to happen. But that's okay. You guys hang out here. The two of us are coming back as soon as we're done worshiping. There, it appears that Abraham even had a belief that though he would end up slaying his son and, and offering him to the Lord, that the Lord was going to raise him up from the dead and they were going to return having this unbelievable worship experience. That, that, is, that seems to be Abraham's perception all the way up to the moment when he was about to bring that knife down. That was what appears to be his assumption all along. This story becomes a, a foundational piece, not only of Judaism, but of Christianity. God says to Abraham, well, now that you have proved to me that, that your love for me and your, your faith in me and your your obedience is, is at a, such a level that you wouldn't even choose to withhold your one and only son. I want you to know that I won't, I, I will not withhold my one and only son. Who took the wood of a, of a Roman cross and carried that wood. Believe it or not, to a place on Mount Moriah. See, Mount Moriah, remember when, when Abraham looked up and, and, he, and he saw the place where God had sent him to go? That happens to be the area where they built the temple many generations later but it's the same location. See, I wonder, this is speculation, but it just sounds like God to me, okay? We don't know what Abraham saw when he looked up, but I can't help but think that when he looked up, saw Jesus on the cross. The Lord himself will provide. Because the Lord himself will provide, I'm going to go ahead and name that place. The Lord himself will provide. And you fast forward in Israel's history to when Messiah is carrying that wood to that location. And just as Isaac did, 
Again, if scholars are thinking that Isaac was about 30 years old or so, we know that Jesus was 33. When his broken, beaten, and tortured body climbed on that cross, where he could have rejected the whole plan, where, where he could have walked away, he could have disappeared, he could have, he could have called on 10,000 angels to come and rescue him, and he could, have, he could have changed the story completely, but instead he submitted to it, just like Isaac did. And allowed himself to endure what Isaac did not have to endure. And allowed himself to endure what you and I deserve, but don't have to endure. For it is by grace that we have been saved. Through faith. Not by works. So that no one can boast about it. So we have this incredible history that we look at. And in the center point of that history is the cross. All these people from Abraham moving down the timeline up to the cross, these people somehow, some way had faith in Messiah. You look at Hebrews chapter 11, and there's, there's this whole list of names that show up, including Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, David. And, and, it, and, and it makes a declaration about them that, that these people had faith. That word faith, the word that we throw around, faith, it literally means belief in Jesus Christ as Messiah. That is the definition of that word, pistis. Look it up if you want to. P-I-S-T-I-S. The literal definition is faith in Jesus Christ as Messiah. Somehow, Abraham becomes the father of that kind of faith. I think it's because he saw. When he looked up and he saw He, he, he has this understanding. The Lord himself will provide. Hebrews 11.1 1 says this. Should have that coming up on the screen, I think. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Somehow these people had this this substance to their faith. And the writer of Hebrews continues on saying, these people lived and they died way before the fulfillment had taken place. Yet somehow they had this fundamental belief, this confidence, this assurance that salvation was coming, that the Lord himself was going to provide. Now you and I were way over here on the other side of the event of the cross. 
the timeline of human history. And we look backwards towards the event. Our faith is the same, confidence and assurance. We didn't see the cross ourselves. We weren't around when it happened. But our faith is is identical to those that were before it. They just happen to be looking in the opposite direction. They're looking this way at the cross. We're looking this way at the cross. But our faith is the same. That's why Paul tells us in Romans chapter 4, verse 16, pull that verse up. Look at this. Therefore the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all of Abraham's offspring. Not only to those who are of the law or his offspring by physical birth, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. We're we're, we're tied into this faith story, this faith system, because we have believed on Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith. If you've said yes to Jesus, man, you're a part of this family tree. And Abraham is the father of your faith. That's why our kids sing, Father Abraham has many sons. Come on, you remember that one, right? The longest song ever created. Takes like 10 minutes to get through that song. And it's very active, and and you burn a lot of calories doing that song. It's great. But it's just, that song is, it it teaches us, even as young kids, that the kind of radical obedience that Abraham had should be transferred to us if we've said yes to Jesus. It should be the reality of our walk as well. When he speaks, we simply say, here I am. That was Abraham's response. Jesus doesn't matter how many times I look at this story. I'm overwhelmed. I'm, I get chills. I, I just feel the power of your Holy Spirit all over this story. Where a man who lived way before your law was given way before your instructions were clear about how to worship you, about how to obey you, about how to do life, way before. Abraham was way before that part of the timeline. Hundreds of years before. And yet, he has this radical belief in who you are, and a radical assurance of your promises that are, that are real and are true and, and will, will be fulfilled in spite of instruction from you that takes him in a road that seems to be completely contrary 
to how you intend to fulfill, he simply believes, well, it just means that he's going to raise him from the dead. And then we, we, we back the microscope off of this story and we, we think about you, Jesus, walking just as Isaac did. Carrying the wood to the same mountain and becoming the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Becomes the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Those who existed before you and believed in you and those who have existed after you did this and have believed in you. And we are a part of that incredible family, that incredible lineage grafted in because we've taken on the same faith as our father Abraham. And we are part of your family. So Jesus, what can we do but say thank you and allow your grace and your mercy to continue to transform us into the people you have created us to be, our lives lived out for you. We are your people called by your name. And it's in the mighty name of our Savior, Jesus, that we all pray. And everybody said, wow. Hey, I want to close out today um, with another announcement. I want to invite Pastor Jake to come up and stand next to me. Because really, this is his announcement. Uh, but I'm going to um, help him with this. Oh, that, that microphone's good. Our mission statement as a church is moving people into the center of God's good and pleasing and perfect will. And um, that's, that's who we are, and that's what we intend for all of us, including our pastors, okay? And um, when Jake and Bethany came to us from Oklahoma, um, what we knew is that he was... Uh, seeking the Lord for what, what level of ministry, what kind of ministry God wanted for him. And um, the truth is, on paper, with him having a recreational degree from college and a call into ministry, on paper, the position that he's been functioning in here was an exact fit. But, okay... What we've seen in Jake stirring and almost from the earliest weeks that you guys were here was a real calling for teaching and, and preaching. And uh, so we've given him as, as many opportunities as we can. Again, thank you for stepping in last week. It's great. Um, but it just wasn't fulfilling for him and his calling. 
So over the last few months, really since probably November, I, there's, you know, or, or so, um, uh, he's been searching and, and um, uh, testing the waters. And so anyways, all that to say, he's got an announcement for us today. So talk to us about what's happening. Yeah, so uh, kind of like you said, it's been a work in progress, but Bethany and I really feel uh, led to Pueblo First Church, so we're going to be moving out there, um, and I'm going to be their youth pastor for a little while. Uh, just really feel like we're listening to God's call, and we've had an opportunity to do different kind of ministry here, and we've really appreciated it and enjoyed getting to know everyone here uh, but we really do feel like God is leading me into a position where I can teach and preach and and just minister to a group of people within that church. And so uh, we'll be moving uh, out there on March 1st. So kind of a quick announcement, and it's going to happen pretty fast, but uh, we really do feel like we are living in the center of God's will by moving out there and, and uh, doing youth ministry. Now, we're going we're gonna to say this. It's kind of hard for any of us to believe that Pueblo would be the center of God's will for anybody. I agree. When yeah, we right. live here in like the most awesome part of Colorado that there is, okay? But you're going as a missionary. We get it. <laughs> sure, we get sure. it. We get it. Um, uh, it. It's evident that a teaching and preaching gift is on you, Jake, okay? It's evident. Uh, just even the clap offering that you received this morning is a testimony to that, okay? And um, so heading, heading into youth ministry from here, want, want you church family here to understand that, that Jake is on a trajectory where, where so, at some point he's going to be a senior pastor, okay? With those are, that's the evidence of, of the giftings that in, is in him. And actually when we began talking in uh, November and December, we thought that might be a fast track. But but not quite yet. Not There's yet. still more to learn before he takes that step. But understand that, that that's his trajectory. And that's really exciting, isn't it? I mean, that God is doing that kind of thing in him. What do you think? Absolutely. Okay, so uh, this is fast. Okay, next Sunday is, his, is their last Sunday here. Um, so I want to make sure that uh, you're aware that we're, we're going to be saying goodbye to them, even though they're just kind of going down the hill, and we'll probably see them from time to time at, at various events. Uh, but we want to pray over them next Sunday and uh, bless them and, and send them out um, to, to the mission field of Pueblo. Um, and so plan on being here and being an active participant in, in what we're going to do next Sunday. But one more time, can we thank Jake and Bethany for their ministry? Thank you. Yeah, he deserves that. Yep. We uh, just want to say thank you to all of you. We've yeah. really enjoyed living in the mountains and being up here and getting to be a part of Woodland Life. And we just really appreciate the time that y'all have taken just in the short amount of time that we've been here and that y'all have taken to get to know us and care for us, and uh, we really do appreciate it. Yeah. That, that has been huge for us, especially with having a, a newborn baby while we've been here, and uh, we really do appreciate all of mm -hmm. you and, and getting to worship with you and, 
and uh, experience life with you. We, we just want to thank you all for such a great experience here. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, let's uh, go ahead and stand back up. I know you're trying to figure out what you're supposed to do. I want to say a blessing over us as we head out of this place. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you, be gracious to you, and may he fill you with his peace this week. I do hope you have an amazing one, and we'll see you next Sunday.